0: Hello Salem, and welcome to Salem Happenings, a new monthly SATV show discussing the issues playing out around the city. Let us introduce our panel, Gwendolyn Roseman, retired Salem State University academic administrator, Rebecca Haynes, Salem State University professor of media and communication, John Andrews, founder of Creative Collective, Dustin Luca of, of the Salem News, and myself, Will Dowd of the Salem Gazette. Andrews is sitting in for regular panelist Deborah Greel, who is away. So let's dig right in. On the front burner, a new Salem City Council term begins, although a delayed one. In November, voters returned seven incumbents and elected four new councilors to the city's legislative body. In the in the Ward 6 count, er, c- contest, former councilor Jerry Ryan lost to Megan Riccardi by a one vote margin. A recount afformed, aff- affirmed the vote but Ryan sued the city in superior court over the outcome. The city prevailed in the end and Riccardi was sworn into office alongside her fellow counselors on Thursday, January 9th, but it took nine days to get there. Dustin, you covered the trial from top to bottom. What was that like?
1: Um, It was really interesting. It was kind of a learning experience for me because I've never actually covered something with that much detail. Um, Just kind of going from Covering, you know, when people pulled papers onto the preliminary election where Jerry Ryan and mm-hmm. Meg Riccardi were obviously separated by four votes, and everybody was kind of thinking, okay, Tyler Terry's out, his votes might go to Jerry. We'll see what happens then, and then it actually narrowed even further. Then to have the recount affirm the result, and then on to the actual court trial mm-hmm. itself. So it was kind of. Even by then, it felt <laughs> a little tiring wondering when this election season was going to end, not thinking it was actually going to extend mm-hmm. out for nine straight days. Yeah. Um, well, not straight days, but you know, nine days over the span of four weeks. Um, what was really interesting was kind of seeing a lot of kind of the ghosts of the city's past elections kind of Mm -hmm. coming into play, kind of the past issues coming up, especially with Latino voting rights, Mm -hmm. and that was a big issue in 2016 and 2017. And then all of that kind of got brought back up to the surface. So I think a lot of people who were following along on Twitter, reading the papers, Mm -hmm. um, were kind of seeing what was playing out and kind of going, okay, haven't we actually been here before? And Mm -hmm. what are we actually accomplishing and what's kind of going forward? So I think one of the bigger questions now that we're actually out of the trial is kind of what happens next.
0: Mm Uh, what was the basis of Ryan's uh, lawsuit?
1: The basis of the lawsuit was kind of challenging um, whether the vote was actually done right. If you think about the fact that it's a one vote margin, which is really about as tight as you can get without it actually being a direct tie, um, there's then it brings into question, okay, if this person did not vote, you know, could that have changed the outcome? Should they have been able to vote? And that actually became the, the big focus of the entire trial um then you start talking about okay this absentee ballot that you know had this one issue with the postmark or something like that could that have changed the outcome there was one person who actually filed an absentee ballot and then the city never actually got it could that have changed the outcome Mm -hmm. and then with each of these individual isolated issues Mm -hmm. you're actually bringing into doubt the entire outcome of the vote so the
0: recount was originally about like one vote but then it kind of like those absentee ballot issues mm-hmm. kind of came out were, came out of yeah. the whole recount so itself. It's, it's, so.
1: Yeah. so it started as one vote difference, and then it was this vote, and then it was this vote, this and then this the vote, and then this mm-hmm. vote, and then this mm-hmm. vote. And then this mm-hmm. vote. Mm-hmm. They talked about eight different absentee ballots that had issues. They talked about um, two ballots that looked like they were lost. Mm-hmm. One person who tried casting a ballot right before the polls closed who was not able to get his hands on a ballot and in in the end the court actually affirmed the results of the election basically said these absentee ballots there was nothing wrong with them you know the city you know while there may have been some flaws in the process that the city was running there wasn't any flaws that jeopardized the outcome of the election well why
0: did the trial take nine days i mean that's pretty long i mean do, do you know why it would why i think
1: they were really thinking very heavily about uh, this thing getting appealed up to the Supreme Judicial Court mm. um, because that would be the, na- the natural next step. So Judge John Liu was, I think, um, kind of exhausting every single possible path that existed. And he's the guy who presided over the trial. Yeah, yeah, so up in Lawrence Superior Court. Mm. Um, and he kind of wanted to make sure, I think, that every single question was being answered. That way if there is any kind of an appeal, there's no possible way for it to get reversed and then to prolong mm-hmm. you know, Ward Six not actually having a council or anything like that. Because mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen in the past an issue like that come up in Ward Seven where you had Joe O'Keefe, who was um, just an absolute legend on the city council, died mm-hmm. yeah. I think it was in twenty sixteen or twenty fifteen. Yeah, right around the, after that after papers had been pulled and returned before the ballots were you know actually no the ballots were formed up before election day. So they had to, they actually had like a two month period where there was not really anybody covering the ward.
0: Yeah, and just as uh, all of this stuff, the, how did it play out in the courtroom? I mean, you a lot of people were following your Twitter page, from what I understand as well.
1: Yeah, so a lot of it, um, there was a lot of jumping around, a lot of, okay, we need to call this witness because they're around today. There was one witness who kept on getting pulled into the court and then you know, told them, no, we're not gonna call on you yet. Okay, well, can you go home? No, we might call him on another day. And that was Tyler Terry, actually, the guy who lost mm-hmm. in the primary. Um, there was a lot of emotion. there was um, toward the end a lot of sniping between you know different parties. There was um, some allegations of whether somebody may have been drunk when they had a phone call. Um, with yeah. somebody else, yeah. and it just, it, by the end of the trial, I think a lot of people were kind of worn Exhausted. really thin. Especially the judge, he was, um, yeah. there was a lot sure. of cases where you know, you'd know you see um, Greg Corbo, who was representing the city, would stand mm-hmm. up and say objection, and he wouldn't even be able to get a word on, worded on to explain what his objection was. Mm-hmm. The judge would just automatically be sustained, or you know, denied, uh-huh. or something uh-huh. like that. So you could see that the patience was really kind of starting to wear thin. Um, After the final decision came down on, God, what was the date on that? January 8th. Mm -hmm. um, It's, you know, and they, you know, recessed and, you know, the judge left the chambers. Immediately Eileen Simons kind of broke into tears. Mm -hmm. Lauren Goldberg, who was also representing the city, came around and, you know, was giving her a hug. And you could just tell, that this whole process strained a lot of people in a very human way. Mm-hmm. Um, before mm-hmm. the trial, it's in, we heard a little bit about, you know, from Maureen Fisher, one of the assistant clerks, was really good friends with Jerry Ryan, and then through some of the revelations that came out, I think a lot of people on Twitter were per actually starting to say, okay, yeah. so what's going to go on with Jerry and Maureen yeah. now? Can they mm-hmm. actually be friends? And that's mm-hmm. not something that I've scratched on because that's a personal thing for mm-hmm. them to talk sure, about.
0: Sure, yeah, I mean, you would stray away from that. But experience. that's
1: something that a lot of people were kind of looking at, you know, the human side of this trial and how it Affected
0: yeah. relationships. No, it's uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it was definitely a, 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 nine, a nine days that kept a lot of the city on, their, on the edge of the yeah. so Nine long days. Uh, nine long days, yes. I mean, a um, lot of these days
1: started <laughs> around 10 in the morning, 9 in the morning. Sometimes, you know, people were a little slow to get mm-hmm. in, but then it would go on with a couple of breaks until 3 or 4 in the afternoon. Having
0: to drive there every day from Beverly for yourself, right? Yeah, and um, those benches. Oh, my God. I think one of <laughs> uh, my favorite parts of You knitted of the trial, a hat, I believe. You knitted a hat. <laughs> yeah, I finished and a hat the and and through <laughs> the knitting during the entire and, you were, and you were wearing it proudly uh, during the inauguration, I believe. Yep, yeah, um, good.
1: Um, good. And then there was also things like um, stealing the seat cushions from the jury yeah. seats. Oh. You know, because, you know, there was obviously no jury. This was a bench trial. Um, mm-hmm. So you had these 14 jury seats that had cushions, and we were all sitting on these hardwood benches. Yeah, we like have to And, you know, I think the second room. or third day, I noticed Eileen Simons and all of her staff and everybody had, you know, m- cushions that just came out of absolutely nowhere. <laughs> yeah. And I think it was by the fourth or fifth day, one of them were like, you know, you can just take it from one of those seats over there. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. And yeah. grabbed two, and it was kind of comfortable the rest of the time, yeah. but
0: yeah well uh, what is what did this all mean to you guys on the panel like did you guys follow this case in earnest at Mm -hmm. all Uh, john did you call
2: did you follow it as uh, well you know do you feel like it was merited super happy it's over yeah (laughs) uh i'm super happy i'm excited to see what meg brings to the position um i'm excited to just move forward Uh however during the process of I learned a lot through your Twitter feed. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's so really, sorry. well, no, it's, it's good because it's not opinionistic. It's, it's just what's happening. Mm -hmm. Which then also pushed me in the direction of doing some of my own research and figuring out what was actually going on. I knew nothing.
3: I really Mm -hmm. felt that his coverage on Twitter demonstrated the value of community journalism and how fortunate we are to have that in this community. telling the story,
2: Mm -hmm. answering Mm -hmm. some questions when you had the answers, being really honest when you didn't. Like those are those are that's a big deal and that's something I would follow even though and I think I messaged you at one point and I was like why does this matter and you're <laughs> yeah. like just keep paying attention I'm like okay yeah. um, and and really engaging and it's funny because as a and we do a lot of marketing in, in my business uh, you know when people will say Twitter's dead and not if it's used right
4: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not if mm-hmm. it's used
2: appropriately and it was a great it was a great communication tool because it wasn't also just you talking at the community. You were engaging and you were having conversations oh, yeah. with people and, and clarifying things that might not be clear. And it's it's, it's a very modern form of journalism. It's, it's, it has been happening for a while, but I haven't really seen anybody really embrace it the way you have. Mm-hmm. And this is through city council meetings and stuff like this. Um, it's, I'm hoping a trend. He really created a record. Pick up, yeah. Yeah, it, like yeah, in real time.
3: very accurate, real-time record. Yeah. And
1: I mean, that is so true. Because I had heard a couple of years ago from a colleague of mine up, uh, up at the Eagle Tribune mm-hmm. talking about how she actually covers trials through Twitter. And she actually uses it as her notebook and actually mm. you know, basically mm-hmm. puts the tweets out. So I think by around the fourth or fifth day, I was getting really tired of typing into Google Docs and then yeah, copying yeah. stuff into Twitter, yeah. I just started taking my notes directly into Twitter. Yeah. And I can tell you the, the last four days of the trial, I didn't take a
0: single note in an, in an actual Sometimes note I'll on. do that too. I'll mm-hmm. do that too. Um. I
4: think, if I may, I yeah. think that um, the message here, the takeaway with this whole thing is when people say, my vote doesn't count, that this is something that we hold in front of them and mm-hmm. say, every single vote counts and that's the message that I think needs to go forward and be repeated and be emphasized and when people resist or or say you know it doesn't matter yeah it does it matters a great great deal your vote does count Mm -hmm.
1: and one of the beautiful things about that too if I may just jump in is a lot of people I mean I've been hearing that message Mm -hmm. loud and clear ever Mm -hmm. since you know the trial started a lot of people though Jerry and Meg kind of view a lot of issues the same way. They view a lot of things differently. And a lot of people in Ward 6 saw the outcome (coughs) of this vote as, for example, a referendum on the Ferris Salvage Project. You know, the two candidates were going in different directions on it. So a lot of people were basically saying, okay, if Meg wins, then this happens with that property. Mm -hmm. And if Jerry wins, then this happens with that Mm -hmm. property. And it's a Mm -hmm. single vote that determines that.
3: And I think adding to that, It's interesting to consider that the actual trial, the contesting of the outcome of the election, raises at a local level two trends we see at a broader pattern Mm -hmm. nationwide. One being the treatment of women in politics, right? Mm -hmm. And whether women Mm -hmm. are being um, unduly criticized or Mm -hmm. held more accountable than men, even when they win, being told, oh, but that wasn't fair. And the also very crucial issue of voter disenfranchisement, because a, in, in, the, in addition to being concerned about whether Meg, um, you know, whether her win was, was being respected in the same way that another person's mm. win might be respected, we had also the issue of, and it hinged, in many ways, on the vote of a Latino mm-hmm. local resident mm-hmm. who, the court was concerned with whether he had or had not been disenfranchised. Mm-hmm. So two really crucial. Issues that we see at the nationwide level being brought right home to us here in Salem.
0: Yeah, yeah. I also think, you know, I've been covering uh, the North Shore for, for a decade now, and I have to say, I have never seen political ideology in local politics as, as much as I have. I do see it now. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually writing about whether someone's a Democrat or a Republican, um, uh, you know, when I'm writing mm-hmm. about city council or I'm writing about selectmen, even. It's, it's now, it used to be. Hmm. sanitize where it was like you didn't really focus on people's political ideology whenever you I don't know if you felt that way too mm-hmm. uh, but I've seen that more and more but you know yeah so I think that's kind of an uh, interesting mm-hmm. thing too
2: but um so uh, the last figure that I or sorry I mean is that one second yeah? uh, I just wanted to kind of piggyback on to mm-hmm. your statement a little bit yes it was only one vote difference our voter, and you probably know the number, the turnout rate was super low. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The percentage was Mm -hmm. super low. Uh, Mm -hmm.
1: You're at 33% in Precinct 1, 23% in Precinct 2. And
2: I don't know a better way to incentivize people to get out, but Mm -hmm. we need to do more. We need to start earlier. I Mm -hmm. I know that even the active candidates that were doing the Get Out and Vote campaigns, they were Mm -hmm. starting two weeks before, one week before. Because that's top of mind, mm-hmm. but I think if we could figure out a way visually or whatever to really just get people more incentivized in educating, following the right places, mm-hmm. learning where the, the facts are coming from, and, and getting out there, I mean 33% is really low especially okay. when you consider how opinionated as a community we can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and yes. especially yes. even when yeah. the
3: um, when Jerry Ryan's team was arguing that part of the problem with the vote was that, you know, if this one person was disenfranchised then the will of the community wasn't being respected. Really, what is the will of the community? This is the will of the 22% of the people who voted. That's right.
4: right.
0: So, so that needs that needs it's some if love. Yeah. In yeah. Some way. Mm-hmm. If if we put mm-hmm. a number figure on how much this uh, this lawsuit or this this trial is going to cost the city mm-hmm. the last time I heard it was um over or near a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. I think uh, when when I first reported on it it was, you know, at a minimum sixty thousand dollars. But um yeah, uh, so it's it's gonna be what do we think of that? It's expensive. I mean taxpayers are gonna
2: be footing, you know, basically mm-hmm. the bill for this for it's this money. trial. Mm-hmm.
4: So lot it, it also
2: contributes to you know the disin- disenfranchisement of it where you know someone like me is like okay i'm just frustrated and i don't know what to do about that like why this that's a lot of money that's a lot of money that could do a lot of public programming mm-hmm. that's a lot of money that could do a lot mm-hmm. of different other things mm-hmm. yeah and you know i'm connected and i have a Piece, I have a stake in where the community goes, but for that person that doesn't necessarily have as much of a stake, is this just a frustration thing yeah. where mm-hmm. they're like, really? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. where and, the money's going. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to even so. be involved with mm-hmm. this, I don't want to touch this. And,
0: and yeah. even, 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 even for the city, you know, I, it also cost Megan. And, and you before you came yep. today, you said you've got to figure about how much she, uh, yeah, so she
1: spent 2000 on the recount and then 12, she's thinking around 12000 for the actual trial yeah. itself.
0: I don't think she expected that when she first got, <laughs> you know, pulled no. nomination papers. No, God, no. I
3: don't think anyone entering no, into would. local city no politics thinks I'm going to have to spend $14,000 no. to defend no. my win. Yeah. That's a horrible yeah.
1: burden. Mm-hmm. And not just to mm-hmm. defend your win, but to defend your win in superior court.
0: Mm-hmm. And, uh, yes. And, and, and just quickly, real quick, uh, do we know the status of this trial, of the court case now? Dustin, do you know um, where it's at? Yeah,
1: so it's, it, it is effectively over. Um, I mean, obviously, there's all these questions that have been raised by it, so I don't think that it actually is over from an ideological standpoint, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, Jerry has committed to not challenge the outcome at this point. He said that he views Meg as the winner of the Ward 6 trial, which, Mm -hmm. or the Ward 6 race, yeah, so he basically (laughs) conceded.
0: A month later? But he also
1: wants to keep pursuing this issue of voter disenfranchisement, Um, and I know there's been kind of some speculation going around as to m- his motivations behind that, why he might be, and I don't want to really speak to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he still is, ve- at the end of this, very interested in basically what happens next. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. So, the, so, so, so the judge's final judgment arrived the day before the, res- mm-hmm. the, the rescheduled 2020 inauguration of the, city, the Salem City Council, uh, which went off with a hitch. Uh, with that, joining Riccardi, we now have Patty Morcillo in Ward 3 and uh, Ty Hapworth and Conrad Prasniewski in uh, serving at large. Um, so how do we feel about this mixture of ca- you know, the new counselors? What, do you, what, what are you guys feeling um, before it gets underway? Tomorrow's their first meeting? Yeah, tomorrow's, tomorrow's the first meeting. Technically, it would last it week, yeah, but, but
1: <coughs> tomorrow's <coughs> the first one where Bob McCarthy, the new president, you know, brings in the gavel, asks a certain person to speak the pledge, yeah. and then they hear public comment for the first time, and you actually get a chance to see Conrad Prozniewski, you know, who's a legend of his own, you know, in the police department, in the police community, not just in Salem, but regionally, yeah, so he kind of brings now, that now sitting That's at a desk that actually drafts policy that mm-hmm. at times the police department mm-hmm. will actually have to adhere to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and you know, you've got Tim Flynn coming yep, back, we do. Yep. covering yep. Ward 4. He's a firefighter. Um, he's a firefighter, he's not just a firefighter, he's a, he's a fire lieutenant. Fire, yep. So, and with with Conrad, you know, he moved a, he moved on from the position before becoming a counselor. Tim has that double role where he, n- and not just is the fire, f- he's the fire lieutenant. He's also a city councilor mm-hmm. representing his ward, and he's also chair of the government services committee. Which you know, because he's actually a city employee, I think, kind of actually makes you know pretty good sense.
0: Yeah, and uh, Ty Hapworth as well, mm-hmm. and he is a, uh, I believe he works for Microsoft. Yeah, right? he's an executive in Microsoft. And Patty Morsillo, what is what is her professional? background? Do we I know? I am really good at keeping up with okay. what they do in, the, in, the, in their <laughs> private <laughs> I see. So yeah, it, it seems like they're ready to roll up their sleeves and dig in. And uh, I did think I was talking to someone the other day and they said, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, a normal city council, like basically functioning. I don't think I've ever seen, you know, uh, a city council that is, you know, ready to, you know, like as far as like accomplishing things, I think we're going to get some stuff done. Oh, I don't think I mean I've been covering it since 2016 so I, I've yet to see a lot of it, a productive Salem City Council really yeah. on it to be honest um, and I think that we've the, the stars are aligned a little bit here and we'll see how it I mean, would More, you, would you agree?
2: We are a v- in my opinion we are a very complicated city yeah. mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I don't feel yes, for is. anybody on that council <laughs> really the voices are loud, the wants are big, the The transition in old and new and that whole thing is challenging. Uh, our growth is challenging. Our infrastructure is challenging. We're diverse. We, we need to work on yep. that. <laughs> I, I do think we need to work on that. I think we're We need getting to work there. on that. Um, I think that the reality is is we're an amazing community that has a lot of struggle and challenge fighting Mm -hmm. between where we come from and where we want to grow and how do we get there Mm -hmm. and this council is a part of what's going to happen over the next few years with that It, it it seems like it seems like a diverse set of ideals on the council right now which is yeah. interesting. Hmm. Um, I'm really curious to see where that all goes. Yeah I mean mm-hmm. they've
0: talked you're right I think you're exactly I mean there's right. people on that
2: city council it's that it's in years and years and years I've never even had communication with which is interesting. too. I
0: me. think it's gotten more progressive than it was previous prior to you know so uh, Robert McCarthy was elected by uh, the by his fellow peers to be the president, and this is the third time that he'll do it. Have we seen him in a leadership role like this before? Uh, yeah. I, I think the last time you said was 2014. That yeah, was
1: so I started covering, I've been the company that I'm in, I've been with them going back to 2010, but I started working with the Salem News in 2014, covering the city of Beverly. And I know there were a couple, so that was late in that year, I got a chance to cover Halloween for the first time that year here. Um, and then I did, in November and December, attend I think two or three city council meetings, and Bob McCarthy was a chair, and he flies. Mm-hmm. Oh. Like, I remember covering okay. uh, city council in Beverly, and it was kind of very slow, mm. which is kind of more what I was used to with boards of selectmen and planning boards and things like that. But then to see McCarthy talking very quickly, you know, gaveling to move things on mm-hmm. very quickly. It was kind of, I mean, at at first it was kind of paralyzing. I was like, oh God, I mean, what am I following along here? Who do I need to actually pay attention to? But once I got into a rhythm of it, you know, I found that he was actually a great president. Would
0: you agree with this premise? I mean, I think Robert McCarthy has always been that sort of measured counselor who is a bridger, who uh, is sort of straddles both sides whenever there's disagreements on it, where uh, he is sort of a consensus builder I mm-hmm. think last time, uh, the last time I really, really saw this was with the religious immunity civil building yep. reuse ordinance. He saved that ordinance last year, I think. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, re- he reached across and said, and talked to, to uh, Domingo Dominguez and said, you know, I will, I will meet you where you're at, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. And Bob has always been that
1: one counselor who is generally kind of quiet, you know, sits in his chair, listens to what people are saying. Yeah. If he gets irritated at something. He stands up and you can see his face starts to get a little red yeah. and then he just unleashes the fury on everybody. Yeah, yeah but <laughs> I feel and like. that came I, up in that I, review. It's, morning, it's
0: so. kind of like the person, he's kind of like the person who, when he doesn't talk a lot, but when he does, when speak, he does. people listen. Plenty to you know. say, mm-hmm. yes. and you Perhaps can yes. tell the room is listening to it. So yes. yeah, what did you say? He's the professor. I mean, yeah. he, he always yeah. gives the newbies
1: their, you know, the advice of you know, yes. they, and I can't remember the two tips he always gives. Them, but one of them is always you know, know your role. Mm-hmm. You know, know stay in your lane. Stay, stay in your lane. Yeah, 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 exactly.
0: Uh-huh. So so yeah, I, I'm I'm interested. Are you? So you're, you guys are all interested? in Yeah, yeah the I think it's going
4: I think my sense is that. The discussions and the actions and, and the motivation even is going to come from a place of being fair and of fact-finding as opposed to well and, and I'm not particularly choosing criticizing anyone, but as opposed to pure emotion, yeah. that this is going to be a council that works with what are the facts around this issue mm-hmm. and that's a good thing.
1: Yes. yes. Because, I mean, let's be honest, there there was a lot of very heated emotion in mm-hmm. the last city in, in the last mm-hmm. actual council.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and and one thing that I think is really important to point out is that, like, especially in the case of Ward 6, so Meg Riccardi wins by a single vote. What that means is half the ward supports direction, mm-hmm. yes. half the ward
3: mm-hmm. supports direction and Y. At least mm-hmm. of those that voted. And, and, and the night voted. that the election <laughs>
0: was, I, you probably remember, you know, the first... You know, round of votes came in, and the spreadsheets and stuff were being updated. And you're like, "Oh my gosh, she's got a largely." And then the second came, and it was like, it was "Like oh, it one vote, know. and Oops. that was it." It was like, "Holy yeah. moly!" And I remember going, "I felt dash. like this was not going to end yeah. tonight."
4: And, and, I w- and I, yet,
3: wasn't there an election in Boston where somebody won by one vote and the other person conceded yes. immediately yep. in yes. a yes. respectful uh, way uh, that we didn't Sarah agree. Thomas yes. wrote a, an article
0: yeah. uh, yes. in the Salem Gazette about that. Mm-hmm. She was mm-hmm. like, you know, you should, you know, Jerry Ryan, you know, after the complaint documents were mm-hmm. filed, she basically said you should take a, you know, a tip from from the city councillor who conceded mm-hmm. after, after there was a recount. Um, so, yeah, uh, and... Uh, So we do have on our on our list today, talking about just just pivoting here, is uh, the OLA committee and Mm -hmm. what's on their docket this this week or not this week but this session. Yeah. Um, And what is the OLA OLA committee? Oh, sorry, it's the thank you. It's the Ordinance, License, and Legal Affairs. Yeah. So
1: city councils got five committees and what they generally do um, is they take. You know, all these different things come into the city council every single, you know, meeting and they kind of deflect them off to these committees that kind of have a more focused. There's five, I believe, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And ordinances, licenses, legal affairs. It's it's the big legal one. That's where all your anybody who wants to sell worms in the city has to go before OLA to actually get a license. Anybody who wants to be a tour guide has to. I mean, it's oftentimes has to come to OLA for an issue when the licensing board has an issue or something like that. Um, taxi operators go before them, any changes to zoning goes before OLA. Um, this time around it's being led by Christine Medor, who held her first OLA meeting last week. And one of the things that I absolutely loved about it is how she basically said, okay, we're going to be capping these meetings to two hours. Um, you know, we're gonna have healthy debate and then we're gonna actually settle these issues. And it's because <laughs> OLA, because it's so important, tends to mm-hmm. have this
2: yeah. really she, so, so,
1: so
0: one page, so two some pages. I mean, it's so she, she went back and she just, uh, just real quick here, she went have back and agenda? actually made a spreadsheet of all of the yeah. stuff that has been in Ola, in OLA committee for, you know, months. or Hmm. maybe sometimes a year, maybe even a year, would you say? Yeah, so so this is based on a list that is there. So I've never seen a a chairman do something like this, basically updating people on what is going to be Mm -hmm. on their docket, essentially, this Mm -hmm. year. uh, Some of the (laughs) ordinances deal with, ordinances or items in in all the committee deal with gas leaks, solid waste management, crosswalks, firefighter compensation, the treatment of domesticated Mm -hmm. animals, you know, historic districts. So they've got a lot and, you know, I think that she's super organized and I think that has also has to go along with what I was saying earlier about aligning with, the stars are kind of aligning and we won't see stuff held in committee mm-hmm. as much anymore
1: yeah. as this session. We'll Which actually you see would a functioning,
0: co- functioning city council.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and you would think that that wouldn't necessarily matter to your average voter, but then when you're talking about the rights of domesticated animals and the fact that, when was that a choice, 2018?
0: Yeah, it was uh, Gerard, Gerard did. That's Gerard, uh, yeah. well, that's her.
1: I mean She's no longer on
0: the council anymore. So. Mm-hmm.
1: How that hasn't come out and actually mm-hmm. got a vote, but even yeah. like a couple years ago, there was like a skateboarding ban that was being discussed, and it sat in Ola for literally
0: four yes. years. So, All right. so we're looking forward to that, you know, to, have it, to seeing a lot of
4: this Maybe stuff. fewer yeah. things Coming
3: Yes, yes. All right, so
0: early last week, the city council put a call for creatives to participate in the city's duly revitalized uh, Artist Row initiative. Um, John, as a member of
2: the Salem Public Arts Commission, um, could you fill us in on this new in- initiative? Sure, so uh, Artist Row is downtown strip of you know, a block, um, but what comes out of that one block is pretty interesting. Um, the city had been deeded, I believe, there's some weirdness on what that actually means, but it d- had been deeded this stretch of land and so, uh for twenty ish years um they've been awarding spaces on Artist Road to artisans, and the process of it has changed quite a few times yeah the intention of it has changed quite a few times um from it used to be a lot looser where you would see performances and in, in bands and in, in open doors and galleries. And, and then it kind of switched into more as the trends in creativity started going towards like maker spaces. It became more of a maker space. Um, and then a couple of years ago, it kind of hit its rhythm a little bit where uh, Tommy, who since has passed away from Boston Wood Turning, Um, really brought in a lathe and had all, you could watch Mm -hmm. them go in and make beautiful pieces and ceramics by Sabelle, you could go in and she had a kiln and like the city had kind of loosened up its restrictions for what could go in there. Yeah. Um, And at the same time, they also started charging for it, um, which has also allowed for them to maintain the landscaping. Um, There was a grant last year or the year before and they now have HVAC. So for a while, these were just basically four walls and a dorm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now they're slowly starting to, to make them a little bit more, because it's a really innovative program. Um, it's also a limited program, because it is city property, and there's only so much fundraising you can do, and there's only so many ways that you can do that. So uh, going into this year and starting our new public art director, our senior senior planner of arts and culture, her actual title, Julie Barry, Julie Barry who just yeah. started a couple mm-hmm. months ago. Profiles. It was a really good time for us to kind of revisit what Artist Row was going to be moving forward. Um, a couple of years ago when it hit its rhythm, one of the things that was really successful was an artist in residence program. So we would have somebody down there actually activating space, building things. Uh, Claudia Parashiv, who's a local uh, creative and landscape architect, she built tables. Mm-hmm. Pollinator tables and another what does that mean? so a, po- a pollinator <laughs> is basically somebody that pollinates things like like starts it gets mm-hmm. it going okay. kind of nudges it makes it doesn't finish it but starts it okay mm-hmm. um and so she created this whole tablescape and these chairs and it was like part part art installation, part table, Mm -hmm. and then some of the community members, just regular community members, started doing like pop-up lunches and they would invite people down and it really... Fill out those tables. It started to really Mm. get to that point. Last year, between Tommy being sick and just some transitions in the public art department, we didn't have the artist in Residence program, it was really missing. So this year... Um, we've loosened up the restrictions, so one of the stalls, which is already occupied because it took Tommy space after he passed, mm-hmm. um, by Chicago Pack, which is a performance group. So they're doing music lessons, performances, live art making, all of that, and it's more of a spill out mm-hmm. than the you know kind of retail maker mm-hmm. space type thing. There's two spaces available. Uh, the application is now live. Uh, how many spaces are there? So four there is, us? so technically the Lobster Shaney is one of them. Okay. Um, they are still in a five, five year lease. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, they went through the RFP process last year or the year before. Um, and then there are one, two, three, four spaces beyond that. Okay. Um, the small space at the end, down closest to Walgreens, um, that is going to be an artisan residence space so we are not only going to give them the space for free we're also going to compensate them pretty pretty healthfully
0: what will they do what will the artists and residents we don't know okay
2: they have requirements as far as activation as far as how many public community events they're supposed to do one of the really interesting things that we're doing this year with the artists in row program is we're requiring the other tenants to take business classes to Hmm. go through the Enterprise Center Mm -hmm. to really like understand Mm -hmm. the sustainability of Mm -hmm. what they're working on Mm -hmm. and what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're not forcing them to necessarily be makers. Mm -hmm. It really limited and honestly uh, just having more retail space downtown isn't necessarily what Artist Row was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So it's a kind of a, it's a work in progress this year. The entire application, the entire RFP was gutted all the way down to the basics. Okay. Julie did the entire thing over. We reviewed it with PAC. It's it's really exciting, it's really dynamic. I'm hoping that the artist in residence program kind of do you feel meshes like all that? So
0: so before I came in today yeah. I was thinking, what is what does artist row mean to like, mm-hmm. you know, me, right? I, I love going down during farmers market, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of farmers market or some other type of event that's happening, like whenever we had the Halloween parade mm-hmm. for the pets, right? Yep. I would go down to Derby Square. It seems like I when I interact with Artist Row, it has to be it, it, it it's it's not it doesn't have to be, but it's usually whenever something else is going on. Right. Mm-hmm. right? Are you trying to get to
2: the point where people go to Artist Row just
0: because Artist mm-hmm. Row is there?
2: So you're a very residential use case. Okay. We are not strictly a residential town. Okay. So you do not necessarily use Artist Row the way a tourist would use Artist Row. I see. Mm. And so there's, and this this happens a lot. This is that old school new, this is the growth thing. It's it's communicating the two pieces together. We have active residents, we Uh have an active community. We also have a million tourists that come through the community that are looking for something potentially different. How do you find that happy place in the middle? So you may only be interested in activating or, or attending event-based stuff, but there's also foot traffic all the time. okay mm-hmm. um, And it's great now we're doing kids' classes, we're doing you know uh, chagall packs doing actual instrument sure. lessons. Mm-hmm. so it's this entire new piece of it that I'm I think is going to take it kind of in the right direction um, where we have honestly where we have such a challenge keeping all of our park spaces activated and programmed mm. making sure that this is activated and programmed it, it's it's literally in the center of town okay. it it can be the catalyst to a lot of action beyond sure. and it's a an natural connection to old town hall and derby square as well yeah
0: great right, thank you all right to close things out february is black history month uh granted we live in a, in a relatively progressive state we can't ignore the fact that there have been issues in this area in the last couple of years. Panelists, how do we see the North Shore observing this month? And is it enough? Is it enough for us? What do you guys think? What's going on? I'll in jump in, okay?
4: because I've been thinking about this. Um, because of the nature of the North Shore, in my opinion, that there really is not an embracing of Black History Month. And I I need to say month, 28 days, 29 days, but because people don't see its relevance. 29 days
0: this year. 29, okay. It's still less than 30, though. It's still less than 30, okay,
4: okay, absolutely. (laughs) And I'm sure that's no accident. But people don't really see the relevance of it. And I would like to see more. Mm -hmm. I would like to see individual cities and towns do something, we, we raise flags for um, Hispanic American Month or Hispanic History Month or other g- groups, if you will, identities, if you will, that we do something for. That said, that said, uh, there's planning going on at Salem State, the university takes this month quite seriously, Mm -hmm. and within the next few days, there should be an announcement of programs coming out of the university. Uh, During Martin Luther King Week, the university had major events, major speakers coming in for that. So the university takes some leadership, but I do not want to shortchange the kinds of things that go on year-round in this area, and I I jotted down a couple of them. In Salem, we have Ramon Park, and we have Charlotte Fortin Park, Mm -hmm. which are major representations of the African American history in Salem and on the North Shore. Mm -hmm. Um, Salem has the Black Picnic, which has been going on since 1741. I'm not sure what else in Salem can claim that kind is of that going the willows? on. That's the willows. Is yes, going on 300 years of history. There's not much
2: in general that you can. <laughs> not, really much not much history at history
4: all yeah. that has been consistent for almost 300 years. On um, the Jacob Lawrence exhibit at the PIM. Yeah, I read that. Yes, that, you that know, you got to really cool. go. And it's going to be here for a couple of months. Yeah. Their, their newsletter yeah. that they sent so. Yes, and and here is an artist that within the black community. Yeah, we know who Jacob Lawrence is, but now. People on the North Shore mm-hmm. and worldwide, and because that runs of the through April, right? that runs through April. Yeah. You know, go and see it. Um, Lynn has a Juneteenth celebration that started a couple of years ago and is is growing year by year. Uh, the Gloucester in Gloucester, there is a the Gloucester Times did an article on slavery on Cape Ann, and people go, mm. oh my God, really? Well, <laughs> yes. You can look it up at capeandslavery.org and find out about slavery right here in our neighborhood, right here. And um, there are, coming up is Ancestry Days in... um, May. May, thank you. Beginning of May. Beginning of May, and it's going to look at immigration issues as well as enslavement issues around this area. So there's a lot that goes on. Year round. Yeah. Not enough. S-
2: and but super super quick, because um, you and I have been talking yes. a little bit about yes. all of this. Um, there if you're looking North Shore base, there's a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. There's a lot. And one of the interesting connections from from Salem to Lynn, mm-hmm. uh, Danica, who mm-hmm. is the creative engagement producer for Peabody Essex Museum, I who I we I all did, fell oh. in love with uh-huh. because mm-hmm. of the Pen PM series. Mm-hmm. And she brought in a the lot Thursday of night activation that, uh-huh. Tuesday nights. Tuesday nights, Thursday nights. Tuesday nights, Thursday know the PEM PM Free Series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's now the executive director at Lynn Museum. And Lynn Museum. And oh, is wow. Yes. At some That's really cool. Yes. engaging, awesome. interactive, uh-huh. exciting stuff in mm. 2020. So keep an eye on keep that. Keep an eye on that. Yes. And I would say, even if it's a Google search, get to know the history. I've learned everything I know from Black History through Gwen. <laughs> and honestly, the storytelling is just amazing. So <laughs> maybe you. we just have yeah, yeah, more storytelling <laughs> <to laughs> <great to laughs> opportunities.
3: Everybody follow, follow Gwendolyn Rosemond Park. Park. on Facebook. Dedicated. Yeah.
2: But um, I learned about the Remen family from mm-hmm. you I learned about mm-hmm. the Fortin family from yeah. you and the the dedication of the park which you spoke mm-hmm. at. That was really cool. um, mm-hmm. I, I I say you know just give opportunities for people mm-hmm. to tell the stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Be, be advocates, yes. be allies and tell the stories and, and help give opportunities mm-hmm. to people because they're there you just gotta scratch the surface yeah. a little bit. Mm-hmm. What, what we really feel in arts and culture is that strong we mm-hmm. have that ability to, to share that.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Agreed. I can, yes. With
2: that, it, that, there's a
0: cap on our first show. Thank you for joining us for this, and we'll see you throughout the month wherever there are Salem happenings.